Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for Friday, April 11th, 2014. I am Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we are going to break down the current playoff matchups for the upcoming Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, Should be, as always, a pretty interesting and awesome tournament. We have some pretty great matchups and... Let's get right into it. Let's start with the Western Conference. And the first matchup we'll be discussing this week will be the St. Louis Blues taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. Wow. (laughs) So, as we said last week, the lucky thing for St. Louis is they're not going to have to play L.A. Um, This isn't really any better, right? No, and this has changed as of the last day. This Obviously, these are just current standings, but St. Louis is now in a tie for the top of the division with Colorado, and they do not hold the tiebreaker, so they bump down to play Chicago. So potentially in the last three years, the St. Louis Blues could face L.A., L.A., Chicago. Ouch. So, so you know the conversation we had last week? This is their problem is that they're in such a strong conference. And I can't work out how Colorado, after everyone's been writing them off, has actually managed to get to 52 wins, and everyone seems to think they've bluffed their way through to this position. So it's a little bit like, are they the real deal, or, or are they bluffing us and they'll get to the playoffs, and if they, if they end up falling to having to play Chicago, Chicago will wipe the floor with them. It's one of those things that I, I find bizarre. But St. Louis... You can't really say St. Louis have only got themselves to blame because they haven't exactly been losing, have they? I mean, they've only lost 21 for the year. Lately, they have been losing, though. So what's the issue? What changed? David Backus is in a skate boot, and TJ Oshie just got KO'd by Mike Rupp. Yeah, I just saw that. I'll write something on that. Um, That's pretty nasty. (laughs) So those are two pretty important players that could potentially be um, missing the start of any playoff series. I don't have any updates currently on those players, but if they're out, that's not going to be a good news for them when they play the Blackhawks, if they do play the Blackhawks. So basically that means Ryan Miller has to steal the first series, whichever one they play, whoever they play, and obviously particularly Chicago, Ryan Miller has to totally outplay Corey Crawford for them to get through that first round, if we're going to look at it in regards to St. Louis, Chicago. And he can, and that is why the Blues made that kind of trade. Yep. He'll prove his worth in that first round. Well, Ryan Miller, for a long, long time, has played on teams that aren't as good as the other teams he's playing against, and he's done just fine, so... Yeah, it's not it's not it's uh, it's not a new feeling for him. I'll have to say that. And it's not- Chicago is an interesting case point for me though, because they're missing, you know, they're missing Patrick Kane. Taze is still out with that shoulder. Where do you class them in regards to being able to to beat St. Louis, who look like they're going to be injured as well? So it's as good as the teams in the West are. A lot of the contenders are injured. I'm not worried about Taves and Kane. I think Taves could play today if, if, if they had to have him. They're just playing it smart. I think so. Uh, Kane's been skating, and from all accounts, he looks good in practice. So I'm not too oh, concerned fantastic. on that. I'm more concerned about Backies and Oshi, the two uh, U.S. Olympic guys for the Blues. So. Is it... A lot of Oshie's value comes from the fact that he's a shootout freak. I don't see a truckload of St. Louis. What does he bring to the ice when the game's going? I always thought that he's a little underwhelming for me when the game's on. So what is it that he brings that they're going to miss? He's very skillful. He's good with the puck. He uh, he has good vision. He He's able to make good plays in space. He facilitates good possession. So he's a playmaker more than a scorer. Uh, yes, I think so. But I think he can find the back of the net as well. So he, he would definitely well, be he a can loss. Prove that he can. Oh yeah, no, no, not, not trying to downplay his loss whatsoever. I was just trying to work out exactly what it was that that they're going to lose lose from him because you lose back as you lose the the heart and soul of that side. That's the yeah. You can't the replace thing. him. The Blues, if Oshie no. is out, will 
they actually are playing Ty Ratty. He's making his NHL debut today. And he's a guy that has had great junior numbers. He's got, I believe I mentioned him last week, he's got 30 goals goals in the AHL this year. Tonight's his NHL debut. Um, You know, if his skills translate to the NHL, he could kind of fill that role. I, I think they could be similar players in that regard. Did he only come up because the spot was left vacant due to the Oshie uh, decapitation? <laughs> I can't say for sure, but it certainly is as good a time as any to try it out. Doesn't it? Yeah. All right, so we've spoken a bit about St. Louis. Well, who do you so think? So what do you reckon uh, about Chicago? Chicago, defending Stanley Cup champs, much of the same roster. Um, they're going to be a tough out, and you better have all hands on deck to beat them. I don't think they'll beat themselves, which I think is key in the playoffs. You've seen yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. It will, yeah, anyone that watches Pittsburgh knows what that's about. Exactly. And they yeah. will just come at you and come at you and make minimal mistakes. And they have that high-octane high offensive players in Taves, Kane, Sharp, Hosa, and they also have the great defense with, Keith Seabrook and Chalmerson, so it's it's really a tough. Anybody playing them, it's a tough matchup. See, that's that's the thing for me with, with Chicago is that they've got that their back six is so stable and, and so that, like you listed off three names that are, that are top flight and above in regards to their their skill sets for the D and and for their their foot speed. The, the bottom three aren't quite in that same level, but they're able to spread their skill sets across the entire six yeah. so that even if their forwards do clam up. So that's the thing. I don't think defensive systems win playoffs. I think the back six win playoff series because if your forwards are getting shut down, you can at least make sure the puck doesn't go in your net. And Chicago are really, really good at not letting the puck get in their net when it matters. Absolutely. And we didn't even mention Johnny O'Duyer and Nick Letty who both no. have great foot speed and, and puck skills to get the puck up to their forwards, who are really good. That's exactly right. And that's where St. That's where St. Louis is almost in the same boat. I mean, their back six could almost be considered the best back six floating, you know, going around at the moment. I love what they've done on that back end. Yeah. The only difference might be the fact that they haven't had positive playoff experience if you know what i mean they've played in a few series now so the whole you've got to you've got to learn to lose to win now would be that time for that whole roster i suppose to take that next step and 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 beat that extremely good team to then move forward through through to the next round and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see how this series pans out looking at the rest of the series i suppose besides the san jose la series this would be the toughest to pick, but I think this would be the funnest to watch for me anyway. Yes, I agree. And I think, I believe these two teams played on NBC or NBC sports last week and they, they got really great ratings. So the, Not surprising. Uh, the North American public wants this series as well. They're nice. They're, they're nice. They're both nice teams to, 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 you can't not like either of those two teams. For, for me, like, if you look at it from a fan perspective, and this is going to sound funny coming from a Pittsburgh fan, but sometimes Chicago fans can, can be a little bit irritating. So I understand the irony of a Pittsburgh fan saying that, but I don't hear anything bad about St. Louis fans in regards to being arrogant, idiotic, or anything like that no. online. Like, you just don't see St. Louis guys trolling or anything along those lines. So it's easy to like St. Louis. I like both teams. I think it'll be a fun series if it happens. You gotta take yeah, the internet totally with a agree. grain of salt. Yes, you do, but you still have to put up with the internet. When you know, I get all of my hockey stuff through the internet. That's the problem I've got. Because I'm over here, everything's done online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. So, who would you pick in this series? <clears throat> After all that, I'm gonna pick St. Louis. St. Louis in six. All right, I am going. Oh boy. You want to pick St. Louis, but I, you don't know if you can. I, I want to, but I don't know about Oshie and Backies. So for that reason, hey, look, I'll go. Be, next, next week, this could be mute. This series, series might not even happen. Yeah, it could be Colorado-Chicago. Um, 
For that reason, I guess I'll go Blackhawks in seven. Sorry, St. Louis. Three years in a row where you get knocked out by a real unfortunate first-round opponent. Because I can't, I can't see St. Louis beating themselves either. So it's not like they'll, it's not like they can, they'll come away from this series and go, oh crap, we lost it. It'll be the fact that Chicago beat them. No, it's a, if they're so, both healthy, it's a pick'em series. So I, I don't think yeah. you could really, you know, you're not really going to be right or wrong either way. Correct. I mean, you can be, but it's a pick'em. It's a true sense. All That's right. Exactly right. <sighs> Moving along. Up, Colorado, Minnesota. And these uh, two teams... I reckon this will, this will be Colorado 4-2. Minnesota will win two at home. And um, and Colorado will just win out because of Alamont. That'll be That's the way I look at it. They are very similar teams in the regards... They're both not great possession teams, but they do have some top-end players that carry them. And they've gotten good goaltending, more so Colorado. But Josh Harding at the beginning of the year was fantastic, and that got Minnesota out to their lead in the standings. Uh, and then that's when it just slowly, they just slowly started to slide back. Correct. Can Breeze get hot? Who's that? Can Breeze get hot? Yeah, he can. I, any goalie can. Um, no, no, but I mean, do you think he can do it for Mini this time around? He's he's in a smaller market. Oh, actually, Minnesota's not really a small hockey market, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> they, uh, he, they, they love it up there. Yeah. Well, Berzgalov, since he's been traded, has great numbers. Um, since the trade, he's, I can't think of his They're record good. offhand. Uh, but he started undefeated in like five or six games, I think, maybe. He's had a couple. I know he shut out the Penguins. I think he's had another one as well. So it's at least two shutouts since he's got there. Well, in his last ten games, he's got seven wins and three losses. So it's been pretty. But if you take that percentage through the playoffs, you win each round. I like Varlamov better in that matchup, regardless of if he's oh, playing hot or cold. Um, I like Colorado's. Top end talent better. Um, Matt, well, Matt Duchesne is hurt right now, and he may miss a lot of round one. So that's another kind of wrench in these predictions, because he's a huge part of what Colorado tries and tries to do. What do you think of the two back six pair? Well, either team's back six. I think Minnesota. This is the thing. Ryan Suit is perfect. How about we put money down on how many minutes Ryan Suter's going to average 30. in the first round? 30. Well, I was going to say 31. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be play more than half the game, game, I reckon. Yeah. And you just sort of sit there and look. Well, Paul Martin's averaged 27 since he's come back. And he's not a Ryan Suter. No. So get there and just go. I, I, I know he's a smart skater and I know he's smart in regards to his positioning stuff, but I find it amazing that he can play 30 minutes and not look naked, not look tired. It's kind of how Pronger used to do it. They get by on their mind more so than moving around fast. They get good gap control and they think the game well and they can kind of anticipate where they need to go and they both have monster reaches. Obviously, Suter's not as physical yeah. as a Pronger, but that doesn't matter. You can still get the job done. Well, it doesn't have to be physical. He, he... He rubs guys out the right way. He, yeah, you don't. If you don't have to be physical, don't. If you're going to play 30 minutes a game, it'd be crazy to. Truth be told, I don't like either team's defense cores. Eric Johnson is the Avs' best defenseman. He's probably best served as a second pairing guy on a legitimate playoff team, or one that's going to go. Who did all he the get way. traded for? Was that was that the Stewart trade? Or was that the Shattenkirk trade? I can't remember. One and the same. Is that the same trade? Yes, uh, Shattenkirk and Stewart went to the Blues for uh, Eric Johnson. So Eric Johnson brought back Ryan Miller. In a sense. Just St. Louis has done well there. And I believe the Blues drafted Ty Ratty with one of the picks that the Avs gave him. So, <laughs> Blues did one well. One day we should go through. One day we should go through 
um, some trades and the link of trades that ends up with the players stopping. You know what I mean? So Eric Johnson, through that trade, has ended up bringing Miller back to well, Miller to St. Louis. But yeah, that's something for another day, I suppose. Yeah. Um, who who do you think would win win this series? Oh, you said four two Cal Colorado. Yeah, four two Colorado. I am going to agree with you. That's exactly what I think. Um, even with Matt Duchesne out, they have a a guy Nate McKinnon who can step in and play center and, and do quite a nice job. He's been a terrific player in his rookie year. He's he's, really he's going to be fun, fun to watch. Yeah, totally agree. He he, he just he enjoys playing. It's, it's, there are times where you watch you watch some of the star players and and they don't look like they're enjoying what they're doing. He looks like he's having fun the entire time he's out there. Yeah, they have still There's no pressure on him at the moment. They have still got enough firepower. They got Staz, Neil Riley, PA Parentos coming back from injury, um, Mad Max Talbot. He'll show up when the games matter. So, some players are just good like that. I'm going to go Avs in six for that one. All right. I'll deal with that. Next up, Anaheim, Dallas. I don't know. I don't know what to say with this one. It's it's a Bruce Boudreaux team, and it feels like all they've tried to do is outscore everyone again, and they've got the firepower to do it. But if it gets tight, I don't know whether I can trust Anaheim. They've got clutch players though. Like you look at Getzlaff and Perry, you know, they've been there, they've done that before, at every level they've played at. It's like you would just assume that they would walk all over Dallas in five, really. Dallas might win one, but Anaheim should win it in, in five, really. I, I, I'm i going to pick Anaheim to win in, perhaps in six. Uh, Dallas is playing good hockey lately. They do have an awesome top line with Sagan, yes. Ben, and Nishushkin. That's, that's been a pretty fun line to watch this year. So outside of that, you're you're looking at like the Sean Horkoffs, Eric Coles, Ray Whitney's kind of older guys that have been around the block. The, the rest they're, of, not, they're not great. The rest of the Dallas team is okay. That's the thing. Like you've got that one elite level line that's you know pretty much carried them into the playoffs, and that's fine. But to win against an Anaheim team that's got two legitimate lines, and then their third and fourth lines are far from terrible. And then take your pick of, of who you want to have in, in net for, for Anaheim, and, and you can move forward from there. I mean, these could be the last games that Hiller, that Hiller plays for Anaheim. Yep. Anaheim, even their third and fourth lines aren't aren't too bad. They have good speed. No, that's right. Andrew Cogliano is a really good player. And, and there's, the Anaheim bottom two lines are set up the way you like hockey teams to be set up. They're guys that can skate and can do stuff, not just kill penalties. There aren't really any specialists on that bottom six in that team. So if someone in the in the top six goes down or just goes dead cold, they can at least be put up there just to change things up a little bit and then go back down to their regular scheduled slot. Yeah, you're talking about Cagliano, Saku Koivu, Jacob Silverberg. That's a, those are good hockey players that you can pull I up. I think Silverberg will have a coming out party in this playoffs. Yeah, he's a good he's, gonna be really he's a good player. They they did a nice job to to get him in that first round pick for Bobby Ryan. Um, and their fourth line right now is Nick Benino, Kyle Palmieri, and Daniel Winnick. So that's that's pretty decent too for a fourth line, yes. in my opinion. They can they can all move the puck, so they, they've got that chance to, to move forward. Look, the the one thing for me, I've always been a massive fan of Kari Littman. Just that he could never keep his body in one piece. He would be the only reason I could see it going to seven. I just can't see him winning four games on his own. So that top line for Dallas would have to be lights out, and Letnin would have to play lights out for seven games. It can happen, but I just I, I can't see them doing it for four games. I like Letnin together too. all at the one time. Yeah, all at the one time. I'm glad he finally got off his ass and decided to um get fit. <clears throat> actually worry about his diet and stuff like that. Otherwise, I thought he would have been a wasted talent. But 
we'll um, we'll see what happens. I still think Anaheim in five. I do too. And on the flip side of the goalie coin, Jonas Hiller, obviously for a number of years, has been their go-to guy, but they started playing John Gibson the last few games, and he's been looking pretty good. So do we have a, a rookie coming in, Ken Dryden style, <laughs> to take over the reins of the starting goalie for the Ducks? He's been highly touted, Gibson, so it's not unexpected that he can come in and play at this level. So that's the thing that I, I like about them giving these games. At least they know that he's going to come in, and usually rookies don't have hang-ups or stresses about playing in the playoffs. So if, if Hiller goes down with an injury or craps the bed, which I, I can't see happening, they can at least throw Gibson in there and he can play. Mm-hmm. And Boudreaux's not, not scared to flip and flop his goalies. We've seen that. No, not when he has to. I'm sure he'd rather not, but mm. he, he's certainly shown mm. that he, he will do it. Yeah. Well, I don't think any coach wants to flip their goalies around if they don't have to. Well, I'm going with Gutslaff and Perry, my two two of my favorite players in the league. So I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to go with that. There's a surprise. Them. Yeah. So I'd like to see them. San Jose, Los Angeles. This is probably the biggest. This. Due to the geographical rivalry. Could be the best series in the entire playoffs. Any round. Yeah, this could outdo the Stanley Cup. I agree. I don't even know where to begin with this one. There's just awesome players on both teams. And they both play a great style. They both value the puck. They they're north south. They do a lot of things right. They they play the game at a high level, and it's really fun to watch. So, does the difference maker come from in net? Whoever plays the best in net wins the series. Certainly, Jonathan Quick has the ability to take a series over and play at that high level when the spotlight's on him. I thought he had a terrific Olympics. I don't think the spotlight gets any brighter than playing in goal during the Olympics, especially when you unseat a guy like Ryan Miller for a starting position. I thought he played really well. Yeah, and not drop the ball. That's exactly right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, U.S. lost one nothing to Canada. Canada dominated that game, and Quick was great. So that's the kind of things he can do. Um, lucky for him, when he's with the Kings, the Sharks aren't Canada to U.S. better than them, if at all. So yeah, it's a lot. Well, well it's a pl- level playing field. So it's a good point. Well, hurdles back for San Jose. Does that make much of a difference? It does. He averages. Uh, I think he's third overall in the NHL. Or is he, he's maybe top five in goals per sixty minutes. So the guy can put the puck in the net in his rookie year. Uh, that's a big, big boost for them. Anytime you can get a top six level talent back in your lineup, it has that trickle down effect. That makes the third yeah. line stronger, the fourth line stronger. And the Sharks already have strong options without him, with him, all the better. This, it, it's weird. I've watched a few LA games this year, and it almost feels like they're coasting to the playoffs, and a few of the guys feel like they're just going to be able to flick the switch. And that always feels a little bit risky when you've got teams coming in and doing that. We, we've seen that in the East Coast with, with teams before where they've thought they were just going to walk in couldn't flick the switch and then they're out in the first round it's tough i think they've been saving up because they know they were going to get the sharks or or the ducks they kind of were stuck in their spot a while kind of like pittsburgh pittsburgh's been stuck in their spot for a while now yep they're just at that point you're trying to manage your energy manage not getting hurt and trying to save that energy for the playoffs. You're right. There is a risk there. What what happens if you turn the switch on and nothing's there? Yeah. But I don't I don't see that as a problem with that group though, being the former champions the way they are. Coach by Sutter as well, so No, he won't stand for lazy play. Crap, I, suppose. Mm. I did see one thing that was nice about the Kings. I saw a chart today. Yep. And the chart compared the year when they won it all, um, their goal scoring before the Mm -hmm. Carter trade and after the Carter trade. And 
then compared the Kings goal scoring before the Gabaric trade and after the Gabaric trade. And oh, I the, forgot they've got Gabaric. And the trends were identical. They they were trending down, and then after the trade, started boosting back right back up. So um, that Gabaric trade could have the same impact that the Carter trade had for him, which would spell danger for whoever's playing them. Yeah. It, for a guy with such high-end talent, Gab, talent, Gabrick has jumped around everywhere. It, 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 it feels weird. It, it's like everyone gets him, and then there's an they find an issue with him, or they feel like they can get better assets back for him. It's it, it's it feels weird to me that that because I quite like Gabrick. I quite like how he plays and stuff. He just seems to to hop around an awful lot. Well, I think it's the seven point five million and the injury bug. It's a it's a high investment with a guy that is in and out of the lineup a lot. I suppose it's a lot of sitting cap space, isn't it? Yeah, at times. So for the Kings, as a rental, it's perfect. That's a good point. All right, which way are you going to flip the coin? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go Sharks and seven. I feel bad for them. They seem to always have a great team and not you know, get to that next level. So I think they, once again, have a great team. I'm going to go with them this time. I'm going to go Sharks in six in overtime on a lucky bounce. Well, they're never pretty in overtime. That's that's the only difference. That'll be how they get through. It'll just be a lucky bounce. It'll be a deflected point shot or a trickler that, that sneaks past quick because you can't see the puck because someone's basically sitting on him. It'll be something like that. You know what I mean? In overtime. So we both pick sharks, but this could just as easily be kings and six, kings and seven. Yep. It, I have a feeling that because the series is going to be so close, the goals that win it are going to be goals that you feel really bad for the goalie that let it through. I just want seven games. I don't care who wins. Well, that's a fairly good point. Just give but, it. That's the thing. It's the thing with two of those series over in the West. You want them to to be. Seven game series. Yeah, because it's just, it'll be really good hockey. Just give me seven games of that, I'll be pretty happy. If yeah. I can stay up for it. So that's where being over here is a bonus. Yeah, that's what. Right before lunch. They're all morning games, you know. The thing that sucks is the afternoon games because they're like at either 12 midnight or 3 in the, 3 a.m. in the morning and stuff like that, so... I don't see those lunch games live. We don't like the afternoon games here either. No one does. So. It's bizarre that they, they put them in, but it's TV scheduling. Yeah. Well, that's the West. That's going to be great to see that play out. The East. Right now we have the number one Boston Bruins against the original six Detroit Red Wings. Can Detroit do it? No. No, I don't think so either. And it's just because I will not pick against Boston. They have given me no reason to pick against them, so I'm not going to. Top to bottom, find me a weakness on that team. I, I find it amazing that they're 115 points. They're going to win the whatever the unimportant trophy is, the President's. And you get there and go, they've done it so quietly. They've just gone about their business. They've just rolled rolled out their four lines, played really good D. Tukarask has been Tukarask, and you're not really going to know about it. It's they've been awesome, absolutely awesome. I forget what was the stat. Patrice Bergeron's played 2,700 even strength minutes. He's only given up, been on the ice for 66 goals against or something crazy like that. So now that's more important than plus minus. Yeah, plus minus. Well, we've gone over that. I don't pay attention to it. I know that's it. what I mean. But there's a, a a great stat that we could quite well replace plus minus stuff like that. I mean, that's freakish to to play that kind of. And he's not playing easy minutes. He's playing against no. the best players in the NHL that long and only giving up that many goals. So that's why it, it's incredible. Because if you did quality of comp- quality of competition against that number. He'd, yeah, he'd be straight ahead of everyone. 
in regards to how many goals he's given up and the quality of competition he plays. It's amazing. He's kind of the the Bruins version of Henrik Zetterberg, only probably better. Yeah. No. Um, is there a reason why Claude Julien won't get coach of the year? He should. And he won't. I think they'll give it to Patrick Waugh. They love to give that award to teams that were really bad the previous year, and you see a big gain in points the next year. So I do think Patrick Waugh will win that award. Or they'll give it to a coach who's got a team in the playoffs that technically, due to injuries, shouldn't be there, which would be Detroit. Well, Mike Babcock's never won. Yeah, if that you would can be the other that. one. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's expectation. It, it, like you said, you, if you don't expect a team to go as well as they have, it's obviously the coach's influence, according to everyone that puts it through. But, I mean, that's the thing with, with Claude Julian. He's had to have this talented roster switched on every game and get them to do exactly what he wants. And they do. To, to be able to, to rally a group and hold them together and, and get them to do everything that, that they should to win is is enough for me to say he should be coach of the year. Because they never fall apart. They don't seem to lose their cool very often. If they do, it doesn't really cost them a game or you, or they don't go on a, a nosedive of a, of a losing streak run. He's just got them sorted out so well. I mean, the players in the room certainly help with that as well in regards to the leadership there, but he just handles it so well. He's done a great job. And the funny thing about that, if he loses to mm. Toronto and yep. they don't make that miracle comeback, they might fire him. Who knows? Yeah. Yep. It's a what have you done for me lately leg. And, and he was pretty much in that situation that if he lost that series, which, as you said, he was 10 minutes away from doing that, they could have a totally different coach. So for Boston, for more ways than one, it was great that they they didn't lose that <laughs> that series. That would have been a brash decision. But that Coach of the Year award's fickle anyways. A lot of the guys that win it get fired two years or less after winning it. So, Like Bruce Boudreaux, for example. Yeah, that's true. All right, your pick for this series? Boston in five. Yeah, I agree. Hey, is Zetterberg even slated to come back? Perhaps. Or is he toast for the year? No, they think maybe... Maybe first round, but it's a back injury. That that can't be a good thing. Plus, Datsuk no. is banged up with his knee. It's not like he's totally healthy either. No, but Datsuk at 50% is, you know, better than when comp- 80% of the league. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. But if you're going to go up against Boston, you need Datsuk and Zetterberg at 100%. Yeah, because yeah, totally agree. They need to take the game over to make up for the depth that they don't have compared to Boston. Now, Detroit's actually a pretty decent team, but if they go up against Boston, that's why I'm picking against them. Yeah. Detroit could probably win a few I, more series, but just not this one. Yeah, so it would be imperative for them to end up trying to play against Pittsburgh. If they could, yes. Yeah, so winning their last two games would be kind of important for them. But, let's see. I just right I don't now. think Jimmy Howard can I don't think Jimmy Howard can steal the series. I, I don't think he can get enough goal support. They, they have to at least get two goals against Boston and have Jimmy Howard play out of his brain to 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 beat that whole Boston team, and they have to do that in four games. And I just don't I just can't see that happening. And they're losing two zip to Detroit, uh, to the Carolina. Right? You beat me to it. I just refreshed that. It's the end of the second period. <laughs> And they are down to nothing, so it's going to be tough for them to avoid that Boston matchup right now. Yeah. So, all right, moving along. Montreal, Tampa Bay. This one's tough. Bishop's the problem. Yes, he is hurt, and it is unknown. They're kind of being sneaky about it. Whether they didn't rule him out for round one, but they certainly haven't made it sound too confident that he'll be starting round one. Is it a? Have you heard if it's a wrist injury? That's one of the things I heard that he's he's gone and hurt. I haven't heard too much detail on it, so perhaps yeah. you've 
been privy to some information that I don't have. But without him... If, Bish- if, if Bishop's in, they win it. If he's not, they lose it. That's my gut feel on it. I just don't know how Tampa can compete without him. He's been such a big part of what they do this year. Um, I know the Hockey Prospectus website has goals versus threshold, which me- which measures how much better a player is over like an AHL replacement level player. And yeah. Bishop was number one overall, I believe, for much of the year in that stat. So that means comparatively to an AHL call-up, he's got the biggest gap on what he means to his team, even more so than Sidney Crosby. Holy smokes. So he's been that good this year. And losing him, it's going to kill them. Not only that, I, from what I gather, uh, Victor Hedman and Valtteri Filppula could also potentially be injured in, from that game tonight. How good has Hedman been this year? He's been terrific. He could be a Norse uh, candidate, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. He is just, he's really fun to watch. He's got confidence to skate with the puck. He's got confidence to jump into the play, and then he manages to get back. His skating stride is so strong and so powerful. He takes three strides, and he's gone. And he's gone quick. Both directions. So he flies down the ice. You would think he's going to get caught pinching or caught deep in the zone and he still manages to at least get back if not in front of at least level side by side with the players streaking the other way to at least break up the play or make the play harder than it technically should be yeah he's he's really fun to watch amazing that sweden felt the need that he he, they didn't need him for the olympics yeah, I, that was that was yeah a bizarre decision. I, I found that a little um, a little confusing, but you know, it's not our call. No, certainly not. Um, <laughs> the nice thing for the Lightning is they do have one of the best players in hockey, Steven Stamkos, that can certainly pump goals into the net. Ryan Callahan's been need very a good lot. for them. He's been he's as much as losing Marty Saint Louis. You know, is a bit of a, a heart ripper. They've got a heart and soul guy that's come in and has has wanted to prove his worth in Tampa. I don't think Callahan was particularly happy with his contract negotiations with New York and also with the way that they just sort of threw him aside, sort of thing. So the fact that he's, you can tell he's he's playing for respect for himself and I'm assuming also for for another contract. But he's been great to watch him there. He battles as hard as anybody. Um, he's he's played well for them. I I just don't know if he's ever going to get the kind of contract demands he was looking for with New York. I think New York made the right call there by moving. Oh, financially, on. they certainly did. Yep, definitely. He's you can't pay six mil for forty. Five-point player that plays physical and probably will wear down in the next few years. And it's a lot of games, yeah. Um, for Montreal, we talked Ben Bishop being out. Carey Price is not out. He will be playing for them, and he is fresh off a gold medal. So, Yeah, it's one of those things where you'd think that he'd be the first guy he would be talking about in this series in reality. <laughs> he, um, he, he certainly going to have confidence going into these playoffs just for that Olympic tournament he had alone. Some, he, he has had playoff struggles with the Canadians. Um, that can get into your mind, as we know, for Marc-Andre Fleury. But him having that success, no. I think, can eradicate some, maybe some of those doubts that he may have had going into the playoffs. He just he looked so good in the net. He just looks in control. It, it doesn't seem to phase him anything. That back six that Montreal have got is not what I would call elite. They've got, you know, two elite guys, and I feel like it falls away pretty quick. But you, you sit there and you watch him play, and he just covers off so many mistakes so well. He reads the play so well. It's like he knows when his teammates are going to screw up, and he's just in position. He very rarely has to make that acrobatic blow your mind away kind of save he's just so controlled it's it's fun to watch him play 
like my favourite player is Marc Andre Fleury, and, and the two of those guys play very different styles. Fleury's extremely aggressive and overplays an awful lot because his physical skill sets allow him to do it because he can recover so much. It also burns his ass quite a lot. But Carey Price doesn't use those physical capabilities because he doesn't have to very often. He, he rarely out of position. He just he knows what's going on out there on the ice. He's very cerebral, and he's really good fun to watch in that aspect. Angles, 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 and he's always on. Yeah. Helps that the coach they've got really helps create those angles, angles, angles for him. But he, he's, yeah, he's just good fun to watch. And I think for that reason, I probably will lean more the Canadians' way for this series. Although, well, you said their defense isn't great, but Douglas Murray getting suspended again, that, that might actually help them. And actually understand that foot speed will help them out? <laughs> I, I just, he was bad for, that, that was a bad, bad trade for Pittsburgh. Two second round picks to get slower and more unskilled. That, say. <laughs> that was a coach. That was a coach and a general manager misunderstanding what it took to beat Boston. That that's what that was. The way they set that entire team up for that playoff run last year, that was a general manager and a coach going, "All right, this roster needs to be tougher and stronger so we can push Boston around because that's what they're going to try and do to us." If Pittsburgh get that far and play Boston and try to do that again, it won't matter who's on that roster; they'll lose that series. They won't lose it in four, but they'll lose that series. Um, but Canadians, they do have some dynamic players. P.K. Subban is the exact opposite of a Douglas Murray. He's terrific. Um, he can be the difference maker in that, in, in that series because he can get the puck out of the zone really quick and, and catch Tampa out of position. He's dynamic. He top. can make plays on his own. He does not have to rely on anybody else. Other people no, may rely on essential. him but he doesn't rely on anybody else because it's his skill that's driving the play up. It's his skill that finishes off goals on the positive side. Uh, he is the reigning Norse Trophy defenseman. and but As long as he doesn't piss off Michelle Terry and ends up sitting. Well, you know stretches. what? If they want to bench that guy for silly reasons, they deserve whatever consequences come from that. You don't, you don't bench that guy. You deal with the bad for the good. You get that with guys like that. They, they can, they, the only reason they, they get into trouble is because they're trying to create. You know, Eric Carlson's the same. He, he, he gets caught out because he can do stuff that others can't. And, and you're going to get turnovers in crazy places. Carlson's great because he doesn't do it that often. The, the, the positive of what Carlson does is, you know, 19 out of 20 for, for ratio to, to errors. And, and Latang's ratio is not quite as good but it's the, and it's still good Subans is yeah and Subans is right up there with that you get there with it and just go he could do an end-to-end -end rush and win you a game in overtime because he's got the skill level and the best thing about him is he's got that confidence to think he can do it that that's probably what what makes him so good is he might go and and cause the error to send the game into overtime that won't stop him from trying to win it in overtime on his own Correct, and to and that to have a player that can do that is is invaluable. Stamkos is the same. Like if you flip it over and you go, who 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 would you go can win it off off their own stick in one simple play without having to rely on someone else? Stamkos. Absolutely. And so, who do you pick in this series, though? Canadians and six, just because of the health concerns for Bishop, Hedman, Philpola, and uh, getting Thomas Vanek. Which who we haven't even mentioned yet. I think that I was going to say we haven't even mentioned Vanek, have we? <laughs> no, but he's a guy. If he catches fire, he he scores in bunches like no other in the yep. league. And Max Pacioretty is one of my favorite unheralded thirty goal scoring guys in the league. So for that reason, Canadians in six. I say this is the thing. If it if they flip in regards to who gets home ice because that can still change. Whoever gets home ice... Well, Canadians home ice is good for penalty calls against you all day long. Yeah, so that's the thing. I think Montreal in seven if they get home ice, Tampa in seven if they get home ice. All right. Very good. 
And now on to the Pittsburgh Penguins, Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't think this is going to be the series. I actually think it's going to be Pittsburgh Philly. No, but this is... Oh, no, is... no, that's, that's wrong. No, 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 that's wrong because Columbus are losing right now, so they'll end up staying where they are. Yeah, this that's is right. status quo as of this moment. We got Pittsburgh, Columbus. Um, yeah, no, 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 that's all right. I got it backwards. Philly will, because Philly will win tomorrow. Maybe. There's more on the line for them than Pittsburgh. I, I love that Columbus is back in the playoffs. I love yeah. that this could be a potential matchup because of what it means for the Columbus market. They deserve yes. the playoffs, and they've been in the Western Conference for a long time. They've had bad teams for a long time, and that's kind of hurt or potentially has hurt their fan growth. But what better than to have their first Eastern Conference playoff series be against the Penguins, who are a few hours' drive away? Now, have they have they done what the Caps have done and not allowed people outside of their area code to purchase tickets first? Yes, they just announced that they will be doing that because Pittsburgh fans do travel well into Columbus. They do. But Pittsburgh fans also find a way regardless yeah I've, I, and doing that just makes them more determined to do exactly to do exactly that but any it, it's still a great thing to for them to get an actual rival that's close in proximity i think it'll do wonders for the long-term viability of that market i think this market will actually be a terrific hockey market moving forward if they can maintain at least average success and get some of these more exciting players like Ryan Johansson, who's got 30 goals this year. Uh, I, I think they're in good shape. Okay, I don't want this series to help improve their fan base any further than it already has. No, it's not going to either. I need Pittsburgh to go through in five, and I only say five because Bobrovsky will steal a game, and he very well could steal game one, I think. Yeah, I, I don't put a, put a panic through Pittsburgh and force Pittsburgh to switch it on. I don't pick sweeps ever because it's the playoffs and anything can happen. But, I, yeah, Penguins should make quick work of this if they have any kind of aspirations of making it through to the Stanley Cup final, which obviously will most likely go through Boston. So you have to make quick work of a team like the Blue Jackets. And I think they can now that they're getting healthy again. Getting Martin and Latang back, absolutely huge. You can't... That back six looks... The trickle-down effect in that in, in their back six is amazing when you get those two back. The holes that those, those two fill... The, the whole argument that all the Penguins fans have had all year in regards to playing Despray over Bortuzzo or Despray over um, England... The whole argument just disappears because none of that matters anymore. Yeah, none of them should be playing with a fully healthy lineup, and they won't be. No, that's right. And I know you get there and say, well, if any of your top six get injured, who do you throw in there? But worry about that when it happens. The nice thing about those two guys getting back, each defensive pairing has a high-caliber, puck-skilled defenseman. In one pairing, you have Paul Martin, and another one, Chris Letang. And in, and in the bottom pairing, you have Niskanen and Mata. Yeah, that's... that. Uh, the ability of Mata to step up and play the way he has has probably filled a hole that, that was sitting there for Pittsburgh, which was that sixth defenseman. That that was one of the things that was, was going to, to make... Niskanen, I think the reason Niskanen's been so great this year is because of Oli Mata. Like they, they've complemented each other so well that their play has stepped up to another level than what anyone would have expected for either of them. And it's really, really helped Pittsburgh fill out the depth in that back six because you are happy with their top four. And as much as Orpik struggled this year, if you look at the games he played prior to being knocked out by Thornton, he was good. Apparently, he's carrying an injury, and he has been for quite some time, and that's why his skating ability, which used to be one of his strengths, he was never the best skater going around, but he could, 
he could get around the corner and get away from guys. Now he gets rubbed out into the boards because he can't push. So I don't know what he's carrying. Probably a sports hernia. I bet you any money it's what he was, what it is, because he's had two of those in the last four years. And it's obviously playable, but it, it's his skating ability has fallen off so much as the year's gone along. He would have been better off not playing at the Olympics and taking the two weeks off. That would have been the best thing for him in regards to the Penguins. Correct. And I'm not... And I'm not even as much worried about him as Ken Latang coming back from his injury prop Scuderi up, who's been really struggling. See, I don't think he... So that's the thing with Scuderi. I don't think Scuderi needs to be propped up. I, I think if you watch Scuderi when he doesn't have Latang, which we've, we've been able to all year, if you remember when he played with Drew Doughty, he knew Doughty could cover his mistakes if he pinched or, or if he missed an assignment or stuff like that. He hasn't played with anyone on that team. As good as Martin is, his physical capabilities aren't good enough to cover for a, a missed coverage, whereas Latang's are, and Latang can do it. So I think we'll see a much better Scuderi because Latang's back in the lineup. And, and that's that trickle down effect. All the pairings balance up now and they suddenly become much better because the players lift. A good example of that is the loss of Malcolm with James Neal. It's the complete reverse effect. Penguins lost one and a half players when Malcolm went down because Neal has been thoroughly useless um, until he got put on Sid's line. And then all of a sudden he's got a center that can create for him and, and then he can score. It's, it's that trickle-down effect. As good as it is getting certain players back, it's the, it's the influence they have on other players on the roster that, that makes the difference. Correct. I do agree. Um, we haven't even mentioned really Crosby or Malkin, <laughs> which is really the reason no, why because that's they'll that... get through in five games. Yeah, and, but that's the thing. If, if if the Penguins crop up with any issues and any of the things we've spoken about, they're in trouble. Because, you know, if Malkin does make it back, I don't even know if he's going to make it back to the first round. I think he If will. Malkin makes it, you reckon? I do. I think the big thing was him getting the uh, his foot into the skate boot was their main concern, and he skated before wow. practice the last two days, so I do think he's on track to make his appearance in game one. That is my prediction. Is he, I'm not a doctor. That's just what I think. Is he one block shot away from missing the rest of the year? Um, I, I suppose anybody is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, it's because it was a broken bone in his foot, wasn't it? I think a hairline fracture. Yeah, so, and the theory is when your bones heal, they've healed. So if you get whacked in the same spot, it's not, he shouldn't re-injure that bone. That shouldn't be the problem, as long as the fractures fully heal. That's one of the, the problems with hairline fractures, it, you, you can going for an x-ray and it can look healed on the x-ray and you can do MRIs and stuff and go right perfect he's right to go he's got no pain in the, in, in the foot or anything like that you go out there you get hit because the fracture itself hasn't fully healed that's when you can break it again really easy so I can understand why they're cautious in throwing him back out there in situations where like bringing him back early you know what I mean it's not like a I suppose any broken bone is a problem. There are certain injuries that you can come back from early and, and play through them and just not be at 100%. If you come back on a broken foot and it gets hit, it, you're toast. I guess the only thing with that is he, he did play the full Blues game on it. when He got hurt at the beginning of that game and he played the whole game. I think yeah, a lot of this is... Yeah. Like you said. Yep, exactly like you said. I think a lot of this is precautionary. There's really no sense in rushing him back, to be honest. I don't worry about him coming back game one and not being ready. He's one of the best players in the world. It's the playoffs. He's a former Conn Smythe award winner. He'll be ready. I hope you're right as a Penguins. We've barely spoken about Columbus. You can tell we're Pittsburgh fans. <laughs> They've had a really nice year, and I'm happy that they're back in the playoffs, but they don't quite have the same star power as Pittsburgh, and I don't think they have the depth now that Latang and, and Martin are back. 
And is Latesti is their second line center? Uh, he kind of moves up and down their lineup a little bit, but you know he he does play a play a role for them. Yeah, and that's the depth issue. That's why I asked the question. I mean, I'd have no issues with him being their third line. I think he's fourth at times. Be, even better would be if if he has to fall back to the fourth line because there's someone better than him there. That's not a slight on him. It's just that depth issue that you'd want to have. You'd want to have people in front of him because he's an NHL level player. It's just he's not an NHL level player at the level they're asking him to play. That's well, all. They got Johansson, Dubinsky, and Anisimov playing center. So when they're healthy in the middle, he's he in should fourth be fourth line. line. Yeah, and I think he, he should is. be fourth line. Um, the bad news for Columbus, which is why I'm not giving him much of a chance, is Nate Horton is out for the next six weeks. Yeah, with abdominal surgery. So I wonder how long he's been trying to play through that, seeing as he came back from shoulder surgery. Well, that six weeks might as well mean season ending because I don't see the Blue Jackets winning this series. They're all winning through far enough that the six weeks would mean he'd be playing, what, in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah. Well. So we both think Columbus in... Ah, Columbus. We both think Pittsburgh in five? Correct. And last... But not thankfully, least. Thankfully we, haven't, thankfully, we haven't even spoken about Fleury. So I'm happy with that. We'll move on to New York and Philadelphia. All I'll say about Fleury quickly is that he's had a good year. None of it will matter if he stinks in the playoffs. But to this point, there are no signs that he can't play well in the playoffs yeah, this well, year. I'll, um, I'll, I'll wait on that. <laughs> I think he'll do okay. He doesn't need to be great. He just needs to be good. Yeah, he just needs to not. He, he just, just needs, needs to, to not doing what he's been doing the last two weeks. We'll see. Like you said, last but not least, probably the the funnest looking series out of the four in the East, I think. Yes, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers. Where do you start? That's a good question. They don't like each other. Um, Definitely a history there. I believe a few years back when Philly went to the Stanley Cup final, it was the Rangers and Flyers in the last game of the regular season went to a shootout, and whoever won that shootout made the playoffs, and it happened to be the Flyers, and then they made it to the Cup final. Wow, okay. There's an awesome history. <laughs> yeah. So for the folks that don't like the shootout, that probably didn't sit well. No. Well, that's the reason the Devils haven't made it to the playoffs. Is it for 12? Yeah, that's bad. Well, as far as this series goes, I'm going to talk about the Rangers first. They are a terrific puck possession team this year. I believe they're sixth overall in the NHL. Um, they have Henrik Lundqvist as the X Factor back there. And getting Marty St. Louis, I think, gives them a little something that they didn't have after they got rid of Gabaric. And I think St. Yep. Louis is a gamer, and he'll be ready to go in the playoffs. He's struggled a little bit points-wise, hasn't he, since he got over? He had a slow start, but I don't think that's going to be something that sticks around. He, he, he was the Art Ross winner last year. He was having a yeah. really good year. I, I think he'll be good to go. I, I think mentally he'll just clean the slate in regards to he'll just go right the trade between the trade and the playoffs I wasn't as good as I'd like to be I think he'll just reset and I think he'll move forward and, and be quite good I think he'll be close to a point per game producer to be honest for New York I think he'll be that good I do too and on defense Ryan McDonough might be the second best defenseman in the Eastern Conference to Zidane Ochara that's how good he's been um this yeah. year, it's it's it, it feels weird to me. It's almost like the only sort of media market that, that talks him up is the New York market. It's it's bizarre for me. He's, he's not flashy, and that's probably his problem. Then I suppose, but he's yeah, he's a if he plays poorly, they're in a lot of trouble. If he plays just well to his level, then they'll be fine. New York, it won't be it won't be him that loses them the loses them the series. No, he's steady. He's really good. Um, the Flyers, they they have some guys. 
that are really interesting and can put the puck in the net. Obviously, Claude Giroux leading the way in that regard. Um, I don't know. They're they're a tough team. I, I don't like their defense core at all. I'm not a big fan of Steve Mason. It's gonna but happen. He's, he's he's been good though. It's been okay. That's the, uh, I don't know. I, there's there's a part of me that goes. How many playoff series has Henrik Lundqvist won? Um, I don't know offhand, but he's been all right. For a guy, for a guy that's been is, and I like Lundqvist. I think he's a great goalie. But for a guy that's supposed to be as good as he is, I don't feel like he's managed to carry New York past the playoff series on his own back. And admittedly, I haven't watched a lot of New York playoff series because it's New York and I'm a Penguins fan, but. It just feels like he hasn't carried them through a series that I feel like the way he should have. It would probably be a good way to look at it. It's tough. They Not if, saying that Mason can do that either, by the way. It's just... Well, with Lundqvist, he gets no goal support historically in the playoffs at all. And that's not his fault. You're right. Yep. So once one goes in, he might be losing that Isn't... game. <laughs> that's yeah, a tough no, mentality really to play point. through. Um, yep. They've had good series with the Capitals, the high-flying Capitals in years past, where he's been the guy that kept them in those games. Um, the one year Sergei Fedorov scored on him in overtime, I think in Game 7. And But he's, he's the guy that's kept them close with some of these more offensive opponents. Was that the series in 2009 that they would have played Pittsburgh? It's a good question. I, I, I can't recall. Yeah. It's a long time ago now. Yeah, I know. And that's the, it's the funny thing with that, with some of these rosters, is you get there and you, you see what they've done in the past and you think, oh, yeah, they've still got a few years to be able to do stuff. But Lundqvist isn't young. No, but he's got a huge contract now. Yes. I don't blame them for paying him, though. He's, you had to, really. He is your franchise. As good as some of the other parts in New York are, they've been able to build that, that roster around him, so you sort of you had to pay him. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think this is a good matchup for the Flyers. I think... I think I'd go Rangers and uh, six. I'll say six. Can with the head-to-head with Philly and New York, this if year? Philly win their last two games, can they? And obviously New York lose. Can they jump New York and end up with home ice advantage? Because I actually think that's a really, really big. I don't know if they have the tiebreaker. They're four points behind right now. Yeah, but they only end up with 43 wins. And Does it go on wins or just head-to-head? I think wins comes into play there. So wins I don't think they can catch them. No. Nah. If it's wins, they can't because it'll be 43-45. So that's all right. I was just going to say, because if it flipped, I'd give Philadelphia in seven. But with it being where it is, I think it'll be the Rangers in six. I don't know. That sounds bizarre. But I think the Rangers will get out to a... To a 3-1 lead and, and, and then they'll lose at home and then the Rangers will win game six in, New, in, um, in Philly. I just think the Rangers do such a nice job of managing the puck. The few times they do screw up, they have Lundqvist. Yeah. It's amazing what a, a coach who values puck possession does to a team, isn't it? Yeah. The Rangers seem to be doing just fine. And, uh, <laughs> well, the Canucks are the Canucks right now. That is amazing how much that's blown up over the last two and a half years. It, they're in a tough spot where they had to make a choice of whether they were going to continue to try and push with that group or rebuild. They kind of did neither. And then they hired, yeah, that, the, they hired the, the wrong coach, and now they're going to have to blow it up. Yeah, start again. So, I guess. Well, that's our, four, well, that's our eight series. Yeah, and and many of them might not even be the matchups. <laughs> this might have that's, been a waste of time. Well, hang on, Montreal and Tampa are set. Are they the only one that's set? 
LA San Jose. Everything else. LA San Jose. Okay, so there you go. So at least two of the eight <laughs> are set. And um, although I suppose after. That was fun. Tomorrow, I think, I think tomorrow everyone will be set. Well, we'll have a much like clearer Detroit, picture. Yeah, I think Detroit and Tampa, uh, Detroit and, and Columbus, well, they're set at the moment to lose, being down 2 1 and 3 1. So we'll, um, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, we kind of ran long today. Well, yeah, Aaron, 15? Jesus. So, uh, I suppose we should wrap this up, eh? Yeah. Look forward to seeing the regular season wrap up, and uh, I believe the playoffs start next Wednesday, so we can actually watch potentially some of these matchups we just uh, discussed. And have a, and have a chit-chat. It'll be good. Well, Thanks for listening, guys. It's been good fun. You can find me on Twitter at Gunner Stahl, and you can find uh, Cameron at Walshy66. And for Hockey Hurts, it's at Hockey underscore Hurts. And you can get in contact with us on Twitter through those handles. So until next week. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later.